This is Janelle and David welcoming you back to We Need More, the podcast where we interview leaders, creatives, and trailblazers about how they are changing the narrative in our community. In this week's episode, we interview Tamara Cease, author of the book Queendom Come. She gives us an overview of her book and little gems on how to publish your book without going broke. want to end up at Wakanda, but we I need a layover in Zamunda. Woo! So if I, like I can it. get like a two day layover. Ooh, I like, like a it. Two day layover, but like a two day layover in Zamunda. Okay. That but makes me happier. To, yeah. I need to go there first, one hundred percent. But we mm-hmm. have to we gotta make our way to Wakanda. I just gotta I got to see some things. <laughs> so So let's get into it. If you can please introduce give a brief introduction of who you are and what you do. My name is Tamara Cease. Yes. Everyone calls me Tam, uh-huh. so feel free. Come aboard. I am an author. I'm an educator, a writer. I am a speaker. I love the Godfather. I mean, listen, it's just, that's <laughs> me. Just, I, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. And you, you're an educator, and you said you are techie. So what, what, what type of um, education are you in? So I um, oversee online learning mm-hmm. for Prince George's County Public Schools. So students who um, you failed courses in the past, you need to recover them. We've moved more so to a blended learning kind of format. What does that mean? So you still are able to participate in a course like 80% of the time, and the other 20% is you receive instructional support from a content teacher. Mm -hmm. So you're not fully online, but if there's certain skills that you're struggling with or you may need to learn a certain skill a different way, you still have the support of a face-to-face teacher. So kids who are trying to graduate on time or you want a course that's not offered in your building that may help you if you want to go to a certain college, if you just want to take a course, just to take an online course just for your own knowledge, you can do that. But I love it. (laughs) And are you from the area? I am. I was born in Pittsburgh, but we moved here when I was five. So I'm here. I'm from here. I'm from I have another this or that question for you. Okay. Who is the real HU? Oh, okay. I can answer that for you. It's not a problem. Howard University is the real HU. However, Hampton University is the only HU that matters. (laughs) The only. It is the only one that matters. I'll let you have the mic. I had had the same concept because... In DC, I grew up right by Howard University. Okay. So I'm I'm walking distance away from Howard University. I mean, it might be like five, six blocks, but I'm in walking distance. And so, and I was always on campus. My uncle went there. I took classes there while I was in high school. And then I go to Hampton also. <laughs> and so then I'm conflicted, right? Cause I'm like, because I like grew up on, I, I could hear the bells at <laughs> Howard University letting me know what that I had to go to school. So I was conflicted, like, who's the real HU? And then I find out that Hampton is really HIU. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that settles it. That's- <laughs> Well, that, my dad settles it. My dad went to Hampton when it was mm-hmm. Hampton Institute, and he was just like the poster child of Hampton. He was uh, captain of the football team, yeah. captain of the baseball team. He's just you know, H I U everything. My mommy went to Howard, uh-huh. so wow. being from the area, 
we were at Howard all the time and just in the city uh-huh. all the time, period. So going to different games. Um, and then my mom, she taught in D.C. public schools. So we were in the city all the time. I needed to get away. Mm-hmm. And Hampton was far enough. We needed to get away. Close, close enough, enough. we needed to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even when we would visit Hampton, it was just something about that campus I fell in love with at an early age. Uh-huh. So when the girl got accepted, I said, yes, I'm going. Let's go <laughs> now, today. Let's move it. But I I loved it. But yeah, I don't, I'll never, I never fight that battle. Mm-hmm. H- Howard is the real HU. Hampton is the only one that, that matters. matters. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked that question because I, do, I know that you attended Hampton but then I'm trying to understand how you got into the the teaching field you're in now because your bachelor's is in English, English, English. and then which I mean, duh, that yeah. can be quick to anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then your master's is in history. My mas- my art, my minor was art history. Art history. My okay. master's is in um, ed tech and oh, okay, yeah. okay. So with English, when I got to Hampton, I was undecided for like a really long time. I just did not know <laughs> what I wanted to do, but I always enjoyed. Writing. I always enjoy reading. I love the arts. I really, really just love the arts. Where did that come from? Uh, my dad, mm-hmm. honestly. He is a dentist, but he's like, my dad is like a Marvel superhero. So he's like a dentist, but <laughs> he's the silent art collector and he cycles and he scuba dives and he's just like, it's sir. Adventurous. And he's like 112. And he's <laughs> the coolest thing out here, but he just really our home was black everything mm-hmm. like and I just I appreciated that and then so when I got to Hampton and really just fell in love with the arts period I just gravitated towards literature I've just always been obsessed with with black literature and black criticism and I just I loved it um but I had no idea what I wanted to do yeah in Hampton so with English I realized that it didn't matter whatever I wanted to do. I needed to know how to read well and how to write well. Right. So English ended up being mm-hmm. where it was at. And then um, when I graduated, my mother took my degree and gave me an application for PG schools and said, <laughs> y- y'all well, switch? Yeah. She was like, well, you're not going to move back here with no job, so let's get you teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how I fell into teaching. Okay. Literally, the day of graduation. <laughs> I said, thank you, mother. Dang, mom. <laughs> I can't get a day. It was like, oh, yeah, fill this out on the way home. Thank you. I can't can't have like a, what is that thing that that child took on Blackish? Oh, a gap year? I can't have a a gap year. Oh, no, you were doing that at the CESA's house. To find myself? Oh, no, you better find yourself on 95 (laughs) before we get home. You better better find Find yourself a job. By the time we're pulling this this driveway, you better find yourself working at PG Public School. Listen, so, so. That that is literally how I fell into teaching. Okay, yeah. and you've been teaching ever since. What made you? You've written Queendom Come. What made you write a book? Yeah, this is book two. This is the, this is the second. This is the second one. Yeah. So the first one, I'll have to, I'll have to ship that to you. The first one is um, the Petals of Nora Rose. It Ooh. is a book of essays inspired by my grandma and. Um, she was yeah. I kind of got a little goosebump right yeah. here. She um, it's my dad's mom. Um, we called her Nana, and she was just a bomb. Uh-huh. Com. Um, she but, was a writer. She educator, educator. Okay. Um, but she was just very. One of the things I remember about her was 
whenever I was going through anything and I wanted her advice, it was never a flat out answer. She would always give you these deep and mystical statements. And when you're like eight and nine, 10 years old, you just need an answer. Right. Like, this is the issue. This is the dilemma. What should you know, I do? I'm having a fight with my friend. Like, she's making me mad. And it wouldn't be like this 10-step <laughs> thing to do. It would be, you know, well, do your laundry in the house, not the driveway. And you'd be like, what is, but what does that mean? I don't, <laughs> I'm not even doing laundry. Like, what are you, what do you mean? It's so profound, it's so Grandma. Profound. So I took all these different nuggets. Look, we're, Jamal right. and I are over here like... <laughs> Let's think about this. Like, think about I, this. I'm, I'm over here pretending like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And her whole point what? was, you know, you hand, like, you're outside, you know, complaining about this issue you're having with your friends, with other people. You being messy and all these other people walking by, they don't know what's going on. But you're out here being messy. Your laundry's mm. all in the streets. Mm. Come in the house. Handle your business in the house. Do laundry okay. in the house. And so she would have all these Same. random different, <laughs> yeah, and you'd be like, girl, I don't know. I'm only 12. <laughs> but she would always say, live a little longer and you'll get it. So these little chapters are all the different nuggets that she shared with me and how they all played out wow. in some different way, in some fashion. So That's dope. So that's Petals. But yeah, and then there's Queendom. And when, when did Petals come out? Petals was 2014. Okay. September 2014. And what inspired you to do that one? Um, honestly, I missed her. I missed her. She passed in 05 and um, I missed her and I just kind of took, I was blogging them for a while and then I realized that, well, I kind of want to make a book out of this, but Mm -hmm. people wouldn't buy the book if it's in the blog. So Mm -hmm. take it down and put it in a book. So I just kind of- You're going to miss this. You're going (laughs) to buy the book. (laughs) Buy the book. Um, So that's what I did. I Uh just, I I put them in a book, but um, it's literally my way of having her here. Yeah. So when I see people, you know, I was at a friend's house the other day and I was just looking at her bookshelf and there was petals and I had a whole moment. I was like, oh my God, you have this? I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even sign it. I didn't even know. But it just, but it's just my way of literally just keeping her here. It was yes. my way of just keeping her here. And so, yeah. That's dope. So then Queendom Come, tell me about this. Like, and I prefaced this before we got on the podcast that I have not read it, and I was gonna like do a crash course yesterday, and then I thought I had we man, you know what happened yesterday, but um, then I thought I, I did flip through it, and I was like, you know, I think that it be it will be more authentic to have you tell us about Kingdom Come. I mean, I don't know how else it's going to be since I didn't read it, but um, but I but I love that you didn't because I don't it, neither books Petals or Kingdom Come. I never want it to be a read through. I never want it to be anything that somebody reads cover to cover. And people read it cover to cover, which mm-hmm. is cool. That's your prerogative. But um, it's, it wasn't designed that way. It wasn't designed for you to read it, like, top to bottom. If you want to read chapter eight before you do chapter two, it's completely fine. Like, yes. <laughs> you know how so- my brain works anyway. That's great. But why um, Why is it Why is it that? And do you say that in here? Any, yeah, anywhere? I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not meant to be done sequentially. And the funny thing is one of my editors um, – when she edited it, she said, you know, the same thing that for her, it was smooth sailing, like everything kind of connected. So uh-huh. this was the perfect flow for it. But it, it always cracked me up because it wasn't meant to be that way. It's, yeah. you know, if you want to go read back to front, go for it. It's your <laughs> prerogative. But she, um, she just kind of appreciated, I guess, the fact that it developed, mm-hmm. you know, th- throughout the book, but it wasn't the intention. <laughs> So in this book, you have um, scriptures from the Bible mm-hmm. and then your own personal experiences 
that relate to those scriptures. What, how did you get inspired to write a, like this book is, is, I mean, it's not like thick, thick, but it was, it's actually thicker than I thought it was going to be. And it's, um, it's so, I think it like, it's so much detail in there. How did you get inspired to write it? And then at what point did you know you were going to write it versus like, just have these personal experiences to yourself? So what inspired the book honestly was a series of things. But one thing in particular is, as I've shared, I'm an educator. Um, and when I was in the classroom, I never taught the first two weeks of school, ever. Except, well, I take that back, my first year, I did. But after my first year, I stopped teaching the first two weeks of school. My administrators hated it. My principal wasn't too fond of it. But the whole point was, I know what I'm going to teach. Mm-hmm. I just don't know these children. Mm. So I need to get to know you first, and then I can discover how to teach you yeah. these things. So I literally made an appointment to make the first two weeks of school super intentional of me getting to know you and you getting to know me. Why do you think that's important? Because if I don't, if how do I, where's the buy-in? You know, I'm not going to come to you the first day of school. And just and I think about my first days of schools of high school. You give me a syllabus, you tell me what I need to do, and you threaten me, and you tell me, that, you know, if you do this, this will happen. But you don't know my background. You don't know where I've come from. You know what I mean? I hated teaching out of the textbook. I taught novels. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. I wasn't shaking on that because I could teach out of this textbook, but I have 18 boys of color in a class. Mm-hmm. Of twenty kids, yeah, you may be able to get something out of Invisible Man a whole lot better than Emily Dickinson, yeah, <laughs> poetry. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was just so many different um, situations where I felt like I would have a greater impact on you if I got to know you first, because you got that view of who these kids are and how are. to tweak your curriculum yes. according to yes, because skills I can teach you the skill, yeah, I just don't have to teach you the, the same material that every other English teacher is teaching you. You want them so. to get involved. You yeah. want them to, to feel and, it. Yeah. And read things, read books that, that are relevant, that are relevant, that are classics, that are going to last forever, that you're going to see again at some point, mm-hmm. you know, down the line. Um, so I was super, super big on that. But in the two weeks and getting to know my kids, the last three, four years I was in the classroom, um, I would ask my kids all the time, you know, well, who do you seek advice from? You know, who do you turn to for guidance and counseling and wisdom. And my boys would, you know, speak to their fathers or their grandfathers or their uncles or big brothers and be able to tell me intelligently why they sought wisdom and counsel from these men. Mm -hmm. But my girls, the majority of them, looked to love and hip-hop and looked to (laughs) reality television shows and social media, and that tweaked me out. That that is where you seek counseling and wisdom and guidance, and that blew, that blew yeah. me away. Yeah. And I and, in, and as irritated as I was with their response, it was such a reality check for me because they said, "Well, what Tamer other outside of English? Well, what are you doing to help these young girls? Mm. Who are they looking to? Why is it that they're quick to turn on a reality show? Yeah, and that helps them navigate their adolescence wow, no. versus." What are they doing with you? I mean, it blew me. Yes. It blew me away. And you had, you know, your sprinkles of girls, my mom, my grandma, but the majority of them, it was these different 15-minute celebrities. Or And, and yeah. what, what age group is this? Oh, they're girl, 9 through 12. 
This is high school. Ninth grade. I only saw high school. And they're all like just watching Love and Hip Hop for advice. And I was just like, you know, but it it messed me up so much. So I think at that point, I just wanted to be more intentional with not just with how I was living my life, but for the little girls who are watching me living my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to cross every T and dot every I, but what are some basic principles that I'm applying and putting into practice every single day that I can teach about to these young girls and help shift that perspective. Mm-hmm. So Queendom Come, or the idea of Queendom Come, came very early on before the, even the the book came out. Okay. Um, for me, it, it's encouraging women that in the midst of life happening as it's going to happen, your crown's going to get heavy, it's going to lose its color, it's going to you know, lose its luster, but it never comes off. Mm. And from there being able to have these conversations with one another of how to keep your crown on and knowing that me helping you keep your crown on doesn't diminish mine. Yeah. But it's literally us trying to do life together Mm -hmm. so that these young girls can see, well, this is how queendom looks. And it's not anything that I can achieve in a month or something that I work towards for a year and then it goes away. It's a daily practice. It's Mm -hmm. a daily grind, you know? So that's the, that's the, the gist of it. In essence. So, yeah. So, the so saying, like, my queen and my king and, um, like, what what did uh, that child, what's his name? Um, they would use, like, cute little words to, to describe people. But I feel like um, we brought it back more recently with calling um, black males kings and calling uh, black females queens as we are. Mm-hmm. But what does that even mean? I, I think people just use it too loosely. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? Well, you know, it's funny because I think that it's, it's, it's who you already are. Mm-hmm. You're already a queen, you know, he's what if already they don't a king. Know? you know, yeah, it's, we're already these things. And I think when life happens, life tells us otherwise, and we lose sight of who we already are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, it is weird. I do think that, you know, recently we have started to address people as king and queens, but it's like, eh, it's kind of who you are. So now we're just coming back to that. Um, but I think that a queen, I think that she is an array of things. I think that she's resilient. I think she's sassy. I think that she's an adventurer. She, you know, literally takes life by its reins and says, you know, you're just not going to get the best of me. And I think history's proven that women can endure so much. And in the midst of things happening, we're still able to have enough in us to persevere. So I think it's tapping into all of those things and really recognizing um, this incredible gift that we are as women. Because I'm sure being a man is great. You know, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, whatever. I'm sure being a man is great. (laughs) But there's just nothing like being a woman. Like, we are just the cream of the crop. And Mm. it, it kills me when I see us tear each other apart and lose sight of this incredible gift it is to be a woman and not want to uplift the next one or help raise up the generation why do you think that is you know social media is interesting because where some people use it as you know a tool to brand or a tool to promote for some people it's well how can I get the one up on her or how can I you know, now it's we slandering people on mm. social media. Now we're using it as a fighting tool. It's 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 just so weird. But now it's way more prevalent than it was back in the day. But now it's like when you see somebody doing well, instead of encouraging mm-hmm. them, it's well, let me tear them down. Yeah. In a in a sense, by me tearing you down, it builds me up. 
and it makes me feel like it my platform's it. more solid. And you <laughs> does be like, it really? you know, and you like, no, you know, it's just I feel like that, you know, God loves relationships. Like he loves relationships. He's relational. So I think so much comes from it. But it's amazing to me how so many people have used so many opportunities where you could build up one another and you could work together and you could collaborate to tear each other down. And I'm like, like. (laughs) what happens when we support each other versus tear each other down? I I think there's like a psychological um, damage that happens when we decide to tear tear each other down versus like, and I think there's also um, psychological and emotional and, even physical enlightenment that we get when we support other people and they support us back Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of the damage it causes. What do you think some of the damage is? I think it affects your esteem on some level. I think you begin to question your own adequacy. Am I smart enough? Am I small enough? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, it's, it's, it's weird that it attacks you in a sense of makes you question your own strength or your own intelligence but it tears people apart internally and then I think too with mental health being such a major issue you know especially you know in our community but you know people don't really recognize you know the damage that you do to someone when the lights go off or when the doors close or when the day's over, when the sun goes down, the, the things that people have to take home with them, you don't realize, you know, the attack that you put on somebody or how you're so intentionally trying to damage their character, how, what that does to them, you know, internally. So a, a series, a series of things, but one, I think it does make you question, you know, your own purpose or, you know, your own God-given gifts. So, and then the opposite. When we support each other, then what happens? What does it do for our community when we support each other in, in, in positive ways? You know, just the complete opposite. It empowers you. It does. It makes you realize, you know, I'm not in this by myself. You know, I always crack up around, you know, Thanksgiving when it's, you know, Black Friday and people want you to support black businesses. And you're like, yes, but you could support black businesses in March. <laughs> can, all year round, you right? You it all year round. It shouldn't just be this, you know, one day of, you know, let me support these black businesses, and you just feel like you've checked it off your, your, your list, list for the year. For the year, like, I did it. I did it. Yes. So just being more conscious of supporting one another, every opportunity and every chance that you get, it does something to you. It does. Honestly, I think when you aren't and you're being negative to people, it causes illness in you. Yeah, it's like a it's a sickness. A sickness. It's, yeah, it, it's like a cancer. And I think that you alleviate some of that when you are being supportive and you are you know, building up your your friend. Because I think that once you build up your friend and, um, you know, you get that love back. Yeah. yeah. You you give what you put out there, yeah. right? And so in terms of this this book, let's get back to, I mean, I, we think we're still on the same subject of this book. Who was your target audience for this book? Um, For Queendom Come? Young adult women. But I think there's been, I actually got a, the most heartfelt thank you card from an older woman earlier this week. And, she is in like her 50s, 60s, uh-huh. and she just really spoke to how it blessed her. And that blessed me. Like, it really, really, really did. Um, but it just proved the point that, you know, this queendom journey, you know, it's a daily affirm- a daily affirming kind of 
process. Mm-hmm. You don't just get something and you got it. Like, oh, I've got this self-worth for the rest of my life. I don't yeah. have to affirm it anymore. I'm good. No, it's something that you have to continually practice. It's an ongoing process. So definitely young adult women. Um, I think the thing that has really blown me away is I've had so many men give me mm. such positive reviews mm-hmm. of Queendom Come and, you know, have texted me and been like, yo, I know this is for women, but I read it nice. and I want to talk about chapter seven. And, I, you know, it's it, that's the thing I think that's blown my mind the most is so many men have enjoyed it and love it and write in it and highlight and answer mm-hmm. questions. And I'm like, and they be like, oh, yeah, I just take out the she and put he and <laughs> <laughs> so... So that's been pretty. That's been pretty cool. Yeah. So along the same lines of men um, reaching out to you, we just had the women's march again. How when I was I was driving through DC, and I saw all these women, and because I've been to the past two going to the march. But how important is it to have that male representation support you like that and support our women? I think that we feel that we've been so strong. And we can do things on our own mm-hmm. and that we just need each other and support each other. Because I'm like, I'm all like <laughs> female all day. Yeah, right. I want females to come first. Oh, the males have this. Oh, right. we need this too. Like, how dare they? Um, oh, they don't need this. It could just be our own thing. Mm-hmm. But how important is it for men to also support and back us up on, uh, especially as black women? I get it. I, I'm super independent. I am. And a lot of it is just, I just had to be. Um, but there's nothing like the support and the protection of a man. It's nothing like it. And it doesn't matter how pro-woman, independent, you know, <laughs> strong-willed, yes. you know, that, that we are. There's nothing like it. And I don't, and I think it's something that we need to do better in and letting them know we appreciate when you protect and when you cover and when you support now life will go on if you roll out yeah but it's 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 wanted you know it's appreciated it's it's valued and um I think it's it's nothing like it when you can have a man uplift a woman and know Mm -hmm. that by uplifting her and empowering her it doesn't diminish your manliness and your masculinity and you being the I think it 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 like it highlights it it. does absolutely Absolutely. And I Absolutely. guess while you were talking, I was having these images flash in my head of things like the, what was she, 12-year-old, 13-year-old little girl who got knocked out by that grown man? Yeah. Did you see that? Yes. Um, also, the, and, and folks were just, stand, I mean, other little girls were standing around, but there had to be, like, some adults around there to, to help. Yeah. And a male. It was also the woman who worked at the McDonald's who got like snatched up get, by that yeah. guy. Um, and people were standing, males were standing around her and weren't doing anything. Um, lucky for her. She was, I mean, not lucky for her, but she could handle her own. Yeah. Also, she was a boxer, but she shouldn't have to, yeah. right? That shouldn't have escalated to that. And then something as simple as a TV show that I watched called The Passage, where I'm, I'm watching this little girl get snatched up by, by two white males because mm-hmm. she's, I, I don't it's it's a like a vampire type zombie show, but she's getting snatched up and nobody's doing anything. And it's, it's yeah. there's males around, like, <laughs> and it's and it's it's so it's so weird because it's like if we can't get our own to if we can't get our own on board to empower us and support us and uplift us, you know, and that's the interesting thing too is when we don't get that and we step outside, 
mm-hmm. our, our race. I was having this conversation with a really good friend of mine. She's um, dating a white guy, mm-hmm. and her brothers are just like anti. We don't want to get I'm to know him. Deja Why? vu. Like we have talked about this, and I know we haven't. Oh my god, it's so weird. I love it. Listen, but she, you know, we were having this this chat, but she was sharing with them. You know, when I was coming up, you know, y'all didn't y'all didn't protect oh. me. Y'all didn't cover me. Y'all didn't love on me at all. And her father wasn't in her life. Her brothers, um, I heard their grandmother actually raised them, but she has vivid, painful memories of her brothers not standing in the gap for her and not wow. stepping up for her. So she's always dated outside of her race. But her question to them was, well, how do you, you were my first examples yeah. of what a black man is supposed to do. Yeah. So when I found love and protection and care outside the race, why is it a question now but I think that outside of of that I think it is just nothing like having that support and Mm. that encouragement you know from your own and it doesn't you know diminish who they are you know but it's just nothing like that that support right from from again it highlights them it makes it (laughs) it highlights them in a a granular way when they do support and and back us up man And it shows that what we do matter and who we are matters. It shows, you know, that, you know, having a woman in the mix makes a difference. Let me women, we're minority women. Yeah. We're black women. Sheesh. Sheesh. (laughs) A little help over here, please. Please. (laughs) Right. As I'm bringing all these bags down the street. But it's, and it's. I know I look strong, but my arms hurt. But isn't it interesting how that. To even say that, to say that, you know, we want you here, but if you roll out, we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite- Because we've had to be. We've had to be. One of my favorite um, essays is by Hortense Spillers. It's called Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe. I actually was going to ask you a question like that. Oh, my gosh. It is. Have you ever read that? I I haven't read it, but my great-grandmother used to say that all the time. And and I think it was kind of hurtful. I mean, it wasn't like geared towards me. It was um, it, it was throughout the family, right? Yeah. And then I think it. I think she heard it growing up also, um, because her her very smart woman. But I think her mom was also, um, a little bit. Let me just say that that is an abusive term mm. to say something like that. Yeah, it's 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 very very interesting. But when you look at you know, the history of black women mm-hmm. and the history of it, it just the history of black single mothers that emotionally yes. it hurts. It's hard, but life has to go on. This bill has to get paid. These children have to be fed. This roof has to stay over this. Everyone's head. Like it has to get done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ironically, it's a weird culture that says, you know, well, we want you here, mm-hmm. but if you roll out, it's okay. Right. You know, and it's 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 a hard pill to swallow, and it's definitely sad because you know so many great fathers, so many mm-hmm. amazing yes. black fathers who love their children, who their children they are their world one hundred percent. But then when you have that single black mother, you know who is doing sixty million different things without the presence of a man, it doesn't say that the man isn't wanted to be there. Right. But all can't stop if he if right. he rolls out. You know. Um, and I think that I remember having this dialogue in college of being in the room of some single mothers who were just bashing men, period. Well, men ain't this and men ain't mm. that. And, you know, we had to have that courageous conversation to say, if your man isn't that, you can't right. put that label mm-hmm. on every other black man. Like, you just, 
Right. You know, you can't. But I do understand the argument. I mm-hmm. do. I do get the argument. So, you know, if you are single, it's this has to get done. I remember I went to Ikea. I'll never forget this. I went to Ikea oh, and boy. I wanted to get a different bed set. <laughs> but I went in there with the, like, I'm going in here to get this, this bed frame, this bed set. And I got something else and got it on the little cart and got to the car and was like, wait, I did not think this through. Like, how am I going to get this in the truck? But it was the craziest thing. But it was the craziest thing. But I remember posting it like, dang, I wish I could call like 1-800-RENT-A-BAY real quick. But I didn't think to call any of my brothers or any of my male friends. And, I, and they grilled me about it. But in my mind, it was here's the problem. This is the test that needs to get mm-hmm. done and it has to get done, so I'm going to get it done. But not, I, I, prom- I got to the trunk of that yeah, car, I girl. this out all the way. I said, well, I didn't think this. And literally, <laughs> and I had to ask for help because mm-hmm. there was no way that that thing was getting in, in this and car. And how long did it take for you to ask for help? God, like, I, well, said I sat there and looked at it and I was like, because mm. I didn't, and the trip was, Maybe I didn't I get it on this. the cart. Uh-huh. I needed help to get it down. So when it was time to get it, in the car, it was like, yeah, I need a friend. I need a Target team <laughs> I member. I need to phone a friend. Here, Ikea. I need a Target team member. <laughs> to come out and help. <laughs> you know? But it is, it is you know, and it's not anything, you know, I never want my man to feel like I don't need you. You know what yeah. I mean? Or and not, and not I don't need you, but I don't want you here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to feel like that, I, that you know, if you walk out, I'm going to just drink this bomb ginger beer by the way we'll talk about this but you know i'm gonna drink this ginger beer and flip my hair and keep it moving i think it does something to a man when they don't yeah. feel that they're wanted or needed or right. that they're appreciated like no i want you to know that jamal's I over here shaking his head look you know, <laughs> i want you to feel you know so, so yeah. in his heart in his heart <laughs> Yes. So I'm opening up this beautiful package. It comes in a golden, what, what do you call it? Like a sleeve? Yeah. It can be a golden little sleeve, little it's mailing shipping sleeve. sleeve. How did you pick this color? Do um, all of them come in the gold package? Well, when I mail them, when I ship them out, they do. Yeah. They all come in and they have a little uh, label to them. Uh, in gold. Yeah. Why'd you so pick gold with that? I just it was cute. It went with the cover a little bit. First of all, so cute. Jamal so, was like, we have to ask her cover? about the packaging because yeah, that's was... great customer service. <laughs> and so so I'm over here like um, analyzing it as I usually do. Like, yeah, she picked the gold because it's regal. And no, that's because I of picked the, the gold because it and popped. It and it was gold in the cover. And... and I was like, I bet you she has it in purple too because <laughs> that's regal. Like... Absolutely not. It was gold and black. And when you get large orders, I send them to you in black. That is literally what it is. Um, but yeah, so yeah. Um, that is the only reason why it's called Ooh, Like the first it page pops. it comes to is called, oh, oh, I like this. This purging pot page where I could just write down and vent. Yeah. This is like therapeutic at the same time. Like you could like legit read this, write down stuff and go to your therapist too. Uh, listen, uh, listen. If they they want to use it, go ahead. Thank Why not? Me. Go ahead. Ooh. <laughs> and then you have directions in here what to do. Yeah. So ideally, when you know you read a chapter, take notes. You know, it's yours. I was the teacher who wanted to. Well, actually, I was the student that wrote in all her books and I had to pay them back. Sorry, mom and dad. But <laughs> you know, I wanted my kids to buy their novel so that they can write in it and highlight it and then take notes and do questions and stuff like that. So I want people to do this. I never want anybody to buy 
a Tamara C's book and it looks the way <laughs> the same way it is when you bought it. So they can highlight and write in it. And at the end of every chapter, there are affirmations that I want people to know, feel, and do. Mm-hmm. And then there are um, anywhere between three to four questions um, for people just to kind of answer and just give you different things to think about. And then there's a purging pot for you to journal. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes to mind, whatever's in your head, get it out. I would like to know what's in your purging pot. Oh, my Lord, girl. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> Like a, that sounds like a like I wish your book I wish you had your book so okay. I could see. <laughs> see see my and I have and I did a purging pot for each chapter and it really helped kind of drive what I wanted each chapter to do but even you know my little purging pot I'm like Tamara you still need to work on this girl you still need to get this together you still I like this up. and I think I was um sorry I'm like already like trying no, to read you go, go ahead. <laughs> but it's like um as I was talking to you earlier about it um I grew up Catholic went to Catholic school and all. And I just, I studied so many different religions mm-hmm. at starting at the age of eight. Cause I like l- legit looked out my window and was like, Hmm, are you there? Like what are you real? Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. I became agnostic where you believe in a higher power, yeah, but you don't have a s- specific religion. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I made it up to be. I don't know if you people who are agnostic. No. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> But I was like, I believe there's a higher power. I just don't know, like, what is the right mm-hmm. religion to believe in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm like, this Catholic, Hindu, Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. <so laughs> right? Because those are the ones that, like, really, I mean, because I'm conditioned to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And then the Hinduism is by choice. Buddhism is, like, how I feel, e- like, maybe, like, emotionally. emotionally. So, or spiritually. And um, I just think that, w- what I said to you earlier, I think that, a book like this can speak to anyone. Like yeah. you don't have to be Christian to open this up, even though you have different scriptures in here from the Bible, mm-hmm. but you, anyone can read this. Anyone and can take away something. And that's honestly one of the things I appreciate about it so much because I'm an avid Christian. I love Jesus day in and day out. Um, and that is my heart at the end of the day. Um, but at the same time, I love doing life of people and I, I love building relationships and creating authentic relationships with different people. I think that you are so closed off and so closed minded when you just kind of, I'm just going to spend my life Mm -hmm. around these people and I'm just going to, you know, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus kicked it with everybody. Yeah. (laughs) So that is, that's my heart at the end of the day is that, you know, Jesus was relational, Mm -hmm. you know, before you knew his cause, you saw his heart and Mm -hmm. I wanted people to see my heart and in tune and in turn, that you get something out of this wherever you are. And that's what I'm hoping that that it does. So for people who are not of the Christian faith, I still think that you're able to get great nuggets out of it. Um, and I think it's a great, I think they're great conversation starters too, especially because a lot of things, the majority of things in here are just things that, they're conversations that no one had with me. Mm. They're, they're things that nobody talked about. You know, they weren't things that, um, when I was growing up, someone pulled me aside and said, okay, Tamara, we're going to talk about settling. Let's talk about this mm. and why this can be detrimental to you mm-hmm. down the line. Mm. No one pulled me aside and had those conversations. Matter of know? fact, some people, I think even growing up, they um, kind of forced you to settle. I think in our community, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I used to do some teaching. It was like, you get what you get. You don't throw a fit. Yep. <laughs> that, that's, you get, you. this is what you got. You get it. You don't ask for more. Mm-hmm. You're being rude. Yeah. So, um, 
I think that it's not a problem for, you know, my daughter, she's, um, she's been called insatiable because she will ask for things. And I'm like, if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. And I like the fact that even though, you know, Akira, that cost, you know how much that cost? (laughs) I can't afford that right now. Maybe one day, but I'm glad that she asked because I think that she feels deserving, and I mm. think that, you know, she is deserving. D- is, does my pocket think she's deserving? Right, right, I, don't, right. I don't know about that. But um, because you have to ask in this life. Yeah. Oh, like, what, what's somebody going to say no? Right. You ain't have it in the first place. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just keep moving hey, on. Talk. Listen. So I think um, in terms of settling, um, we've been kind of told, like, it, it took, you should settle for this. Yeah. You, you're okay, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Um, it's one of the... Honestly, does a queen settle? Does a king settle? For so that's a, there's a chapter in there. It's called Audacious Hope, mm. and ironically, that's the one that I get a lot of feedback on. I'm gonna have to flip people, to that. People like Audacious Hope. So with that one, the story behind that is, well, you, so there was a blizzard here, '96. Yes, no, yes, I was here. Okay. I was stuck. The blizzard of '96, and I remember vividly. You know, you're home for like two weeks. Like it was, two a hour it was a long time. I, I got to learn the stories in everybody's <laughs> life on days <laughs> right? of our lives. Like my mom watched it. Oh, I was, I was her house. all young and the restless, honey. And that too. Yes. I, I know. I know. I learned them all. Learn them all. I learned them all. You learned them all. It's but funny because I, I mentioned it on Christmas. I mentioned it to my mom, and so then I was like, "Remember in '96, I was stuck at your house and like um, in the blizzard. And my dad was like threatening." Like, you know, you better come home. And I'm like, how? How, Right. How? How? But you, I mean, you were living like this good life. Like you had sleepovers in the middle of the week. Mom's house? You had like buffets of spread of food. Everybody's coming over grubbing. Like there was no bedtime or you'd like fake like you was going to bed because school was going to open. But then it was like, nah. It didn't. No, it was never going to open. But I remember having to do like these random chores around the house and I had to clean the basement and to like have things, you know, speed up a little bit. I was watching Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> I remember this vividly. And I had on these yellow gloves cleaning up, watching the show. Uh-huh. And the episode was this woman who was bringing her friend to the show to basically confront her and tell her the guy that she was marrying or trying to marry was wrong for her. And the audience was going off like, girl, you a hater, you a blocker. Yeah. And come to find I out. I don't know if they were saying that on Sally. The girl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Essentially. And then um, the friend began to tell, you know, why she was really there. And it dug a little deeper that she was actually planning a wedding for this guy who refused to marry her. And she felt like if she set the date, got a venue, booked a caterer, got the florist, assigned groomsmen, invited people, that when he walked into this situation... That he would go through with it and he would marry her. He has cheated on her repeatedly, has an array of kids outside of their relationship, emotionally, physically abuses her. I mean, but basically tells her, you know, you're not going to go nowhere because I'm better than some. I'm better than nothing. I'm something. I'm just not better. I'm better than nothing. So you might as well stick and stay. And I remember sitting in this house with these yellow gloves saying that'll never be me. Yeah. I'll never settle mm-hmm. ever. And then life happens and you know, you are living your best life in your twenties and you're like, Oh, I'll get married down the line and oh, I'll have kids. But then you don't see those things that you long for yeah. and you begin to make these exceptions 
for different people that you know for a fact aren't for you. Yeah. You know for a fact that there is a whole lot better out here for me, but having this something is better than nothing, so mm -hmm. I'm going to stick it through. So with that whole idea, it really is embracing, you know, not even just the idea, but the fact that God really wants me to have his best. He really wants me to have his absolute best. And we have to be in a place where if we I have to take your best over what I want, you know, A, addressing that conflict, but then B, saying, well, let me give it a chance and really just kind of embrace what God's best is. Because this poor woman thought that this was as good as it was going to get. Yeah. You know, but that chapter really just kind of talks about this whole idea of, of settling and how when you're in your 30s and you don't see the things that you long for, settling becomes appealing. And it's not one of those things that you go out and buy a shirt for that says, I'm going to settle. Mm -hmm. you know? It's a movement. We're going to do that. It's, it's not that at all. But it's really kind of just kind of tapping into that subconscious a little bit to say, you know. The red frame be diva herself. The red frame diva. <laughs> yes. Sally. Hey, wow. auntie. Shout out to Sally. Whoa, they were together for 14. Dang, you remember mm -hmm. this this story mm -hmm. verbatim. I mean, vividly. And, it, and I think the thing that messed me up so bad was, as she's telling this story, you know, it's crazy the things that you remember. But I remember sitting on the couch, ain't cleaning not one thing, telling my mama, yeah, girl, I'm cleaning. You know, yeah, girl, I'm cleaning. But like, just Heather, like, no. Like, don't. <laughs> like, no. girl, no. Like, no, don't do don't that. Do that. Uh, your so. 13 year old self knew better than Heather. Knew better. Like, Heather, girl, he ain't it, girl. <laughs> girl, he ain't it. He is not. Oh, and her friend were, was just trying to help her out. Was just trying to help wow. her to just say, you know. That hater. That hater. <laughs> was trying that, to help her out. That blocker. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that, that chapter is Audacious Hope. Yes. The one that I flipped to is Costco confusion. And it's interesting <laughs> that I flipped to it because like, I literally I'm just flipping to it. And then I see Costco confusion. I'm like, huh? Cost and then I look at the um, the bolded, bolded section and it's protesters crash slut walk. Insult nearly nude marchers with hateful messages. Repent or perish. Because mm. Costco gas is... Costco's, shout out to man. Costco and your lit gas. But you know when you go, it's packed out, smacked out. So, it doesn't matter. I will wait for that cheap gas. We will wait for that cheap gas. So while I was waiting, I was scrolling through Google. And you know when you search on certain, certain things through Google, they create that algorithm to yes. show you different things. So I don't know what in the world I had previously <laughs> searched. But this... <laughs> This had popped up about this slut walk and how um, they were. I wasn't, I'm sure I wasn't searching sluts or I think it may have been 5Ks or something. <laughs> something. And then yeah. maybe cute heels. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I was so taken aback by this particular news article of Ooh. Christians, you know, lining up this, you know, where the, the protesters were marching for a slut walk. And they were yelling, you know, damning these people to hell. And I mean, I mean, it was bad. I because mean, the slut walk is supposed to, um, the the idea is yeah. a they're supposed to. It it came from this uh, Canadian situation where this Canadian officer basically tells this woman, you know, if you didn't dress prerogatively, if right. you didn't, you know, do this, if you didn't act a certain way, then another you, basically, man. Basically, you get you did this to yourself Absolutely. by acting a certain way, looking a certain way. This this the 
end result of what happened to you is because of it's your fault. Absolutely. And because you did this, it welcomed this unfortunate behavior. So you should deal with it. And that's essentially what it is. So when Amber Rose got a hold of it, she brought it here Mm -hmm. to the States. And ideally, um, you know, while she's doing this, I don't know, I can't remember what year, how many years that she's done it so far, but I just couldn't believe that people of, you know, the Christian faith, my faith at that, are out here, and they have different video clips of them going off. I mean, throwing things at people, yelling stuff at people. I mean, yelling every expletive through the roof at, you know, these people who are protesting for what it is they believe in. And the whole point of this chapter hits, one, the power of a name. Because the thing that bothered me the most was these protesters are embracing words that will forever have a negative connotation. You would never call Michelle Obama a slut. Mm Mm-hmm. Ever mm-hmm. in any setting, it'll never have a positive, uplifting, empowering connotation to not even just her being a woman, but the woman that she is. You yeah. know, it'll never, it'll never do that. So, for these people welcoming this word and you calling that, who you know, this is who I am. It's not who right. you are. So, for one, it touches just the power of a name. Period. Um, to your platform. That every person, regardless of who you are, what you believe in, what you do for a living, everyone has a platform. And how are you utilizing it? So for me, you know, Amber Rose being who she is and having the following that she has, you you have a platform. Yeah. So what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. Because as you're on your platform, there are girls watching. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, I'm a slut. Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to eighth grade math. Oh yeah, and I think the thing is, and even while I was doing this chapter, there were so many things that I appreciated that she does and mm-hmm. that she was doing because I get it. You're taking this that had that that is so unfortunate for so many women who've been called outside of their names and saying, "You're not going to use this to tear me apart." I'm going to yeah. completely shift the yeah. perspective of what you're calling me and mm-hmm. what you're classifying me as because we always try to do in history right, too because my skirt is above my knees. <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? And I don't look like I'm from Little House on the Prairie. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have curves. I have curves. You know what I mean? I can I, put a I red... like to wear makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I like a good thigh boot and a red lip. I'm not... <laughs> you know, so I there were so many things that I appreciated about that. I think the thing that frustrated me the most is that there's you you gotta you have to figure out I, I think for me it was I would appreciate it a different approach. I think that's honestly what it is because it doesn't welcome the behavior at all. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, you know, but if, if I, if I walk outside and I have on a fishnet top and I'm super top heavy and mm-hmm. someone looks at me like, well, what are you doing? I can't, you know, am I that offended? Am I that taken aback? Mm-hmm. It doesn't welcome any behavior. That's not what I'm saying at mm-hmm. all. But I think the thing in listening to, you know, the different people, different people who are speaking at the marches and the different articles, people mm-hmm. were so offended at certain things that will raise an eyebrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. that's not deep or mystical to say this is raising an eyebrow. If mm-hmm. I walk outside and I had no bottoms on, people going to look. <laughs> people going to look, you know. And I just couldn't believe that we weren't addressing that. Uh-huh. Let's have that chat. Yeah. No one's saying you should ever be in a situation where someone takes advantage of you. Right. But you cannot be offended when an eyebrow is raised because something is out of pocket. It's out of pocket. Uh-huh. You know? So that that was that. That is that is Costco. <laughs> 
It went from confused. the simple Google search to because I was legit confused yeah. and I was so bothered. And then the other thing that's in there is though you know for for Christians is and it goes back to what I was just saying mm-hmm. of being relational with people who are different. Yeah, you know, and and even different from what you consider to be right or what you consider to be a certain way, still being relational, but understanding that if you are going to be a representation of anything, you got to be conscious of what of how you're representing it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a Christian too. I'm not going to be out here protesting and throwing tomatoes at people and you know telling them you gonna yeah. repent or you gonna die. What is that? Like, <laughs> or like just like at least. I think that we need to seek to understand, like understand what mm-hmm. is happening. Why are they doing this? And then how can you like, I think that yeah, throwing tomatoes and stuff like that is crazy or like telling them that they're going to be damned you're to hell. Damned to hell. And you're, you know, and you're this and it's, and it's the, it was the craziest thing to me because I said you, if you are a, a follower of Christ, this wasn't him. Yeah. Like what? Right. This I wasn't mean, him Mary at all. Magdalene washed his feet. Right, he and she's supposed to be like the the dirtiest little prostitute, right? <laughs> like, and like he he was around these people also, and he felt that you know she, even someone like her, her. a slut you like know. her, could have forgiveness. How in the world? And like how change. you know how how in the world? So that's the thing I think that is just that was the whole point of it. Literally was Costco confusion. <laughs> Lit, literally, I just huh? got, how I, did I go get gas and then cut. Co- I went to go exercise. I, like, I Google does, something. I'm trying to get gas and nothing this. And then I had to check myself. Like, girl, what was you Googling? Like, what was <laughs> Let you? me go back in my Let history. Me go back in my- <laughs> How did I get to this? <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is Costco confusion. <laughs> what's been the most... Uh, I think you said this. I was going to ask you what's the most memorable um, part of writing this book and then publishing the book. And I think that you mentioned the letter that you got from... Yeah, when I hear from people, you know, I'm planning now a, a book tour and different book events, but I'm Ooh. giving myself just kind of time to let people read it and review it and mm-hmm. just kind of see the different chapters that people like, what they're feeling, things they want to talk about. Um, and then and then additionally, still trying to create um, some sort of agenda that shows people how to write a book. If you're interested in doing a book, Dope. being able to give you, you know, just some things I've learned, some do's and don'ts, some... Give us some um, right now. Oh, wow. What's some things to do? First of all, write. Get it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, think, you- I think that, you know, the book writing process, I think every part of it is a beast in itself. I don't think that there's one part that's easier than, an- than another. You know, when you're writing, that's a monster, Editing is a monster. You Did know? you edit it yourself? No, I had five editors. Wow. I had five editors, um, and I was only banking on, like, two or three solid ones, which are, I got. Are these people in your circle? Yes and no. Yes and no. I have relationship with all five of them. They're all kind of different. Um, but there were certain things that I wanted people to look for. So, like, Sheena, for example, I knew Sheena was going to edit for content and grammar. I knew she was going to tell me mm. if this is sound you know, if it made sense, if it flowed, but then girl, you got the wrong there and there. When were you doing it? You know? So oh. like, I knew that she was going to be able to do that for me. And she's another English educator. So I knew that I was going to get that from her. Um, and whole some, oh team. yeah. It's <laughs> my whole little editing team. Um, with, with, uh, with Crystal, for example, Crystal, I knew that for her, you know, it was going to she was going to tell me if things had a flow to it. You know, she's the kind of person, she's very, very black and white. And I wanted somebody that can give me that black and white. I can't do no shade of gray. 
Yeah. Because I'm 85 years old. I ain't got time. So I need, <laughs> you know, I needed that. So um, Erica, you know, she, I knew she was going to scrub it from top to bottom. So I think getting connected with an editor, um, or better yet, editors that are necessarily your best friends, mm-hmm. but people that you have a relationship with enough to say, this is dope, or this is whack, or you need to go back, you need to adjust this or tweak this. So, you know, the editing process is a is a monster. Publishing is... How did you find your publisher? So I'm an independent. I did independent. Ooh, I did how? self-publishing. Self-publisher. <laughs> Tell me about that. How do you do that? So, um, one, I did it through CreateSpace, which is what free. Is that? CreateSpace is... Um, the self-publishing company through Amazon. Okay. So you can publish, literally, if you wanted to publish a book in the morning, you can publish a book in the morning. Like Dang. I think it's like a 20, maybe 24, maybe 36 hour turnaround. Do you pay for that? No. So with Petals, I did. With Petals, there was a whole process. Like, I think maybe I came out of pocket, like $800, something like uh-uh. that. Uh-uh, so we're going to go where? Again? <laughs> Amazon? Amazon Create Space, because now it's free. Create Space. Create Space. Okay. Now it's free. So before, you were able to get certain things via, you know, you could um, create a package. So if you wanted someone to edit it for you, if you wanted someone to pick your cover, if you wanted someone to do all of that, you could do that, but they had a fee to it. Now everything is free, and you, hey. up, you upload it. Uh, the way you want to. So literally the book for the second conversation is just one big PDF. Nice. It's one big PDF. So my fonts are my fonts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with CreateSpace, everything is for you. Upload what you want. The downfall with CreateSpace is every time you call, literally you're doing it, you're self-publishing. Yeah. So every time you call them, you're talking to somebody new. Oh. That I don't like. And that's the main reason why I really want to, you know, when I do these different events to kind of help people. So when you call, you're calling for something deep and mystical and not anything simple. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be talking to different people every single time you call. You so can't you want get someone's extension? No, nah, girl. That's that's the that's the downfall. But with self-publishing, you well, know, you get ta- more of your Excuse royalty. me, is Tam there? Right. <laughs> can you transfer me <laughs> over? But, Who is this? Right. But with self-publishing, you know, you get more of your royalties back. So like if your book is $15, you know, you're getting $6 back for your book that you sell via Amazon. If you go with a publishing company and you work with their independent publisher, um, subsidiary, you may be getting like $2 back for your book and you got to pay. I'm good. A billion dollars. Yeah. It's just, it's, 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 it's interesting. I I like it this way. This free way. (laughs) Yeah. The free way. So I like, I do like that. Um, and your cover, who? Because you give it. Like, first of all, so, I love your acknowledgments. Like the uh, first, what you have in here. Like after your first page, after you sign it to whoever it's for, um, you go on and you shout out your who designed your cover. Yeah. So funny. This is the guy. Who did? Oh, who did the shirt? Who did the shirt? Multi-talented. Um, this is He has. Um, He's a clothing line called Define Morale, but he's also just a super dope graphic designer. Okay. Um, he is one of my closest and best friends in the world. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. So literally while my editors were editing, yes. I reached out to him because I had an idea for the cover, but I just needed some stank mm. on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hit him up and I was like, yo, yeah, I kind of want to do this idea with this cover. Um, and the interesting thing about it is I had two different designers in mind, mm-hmm. but I knew that he would be the only one that would perfect it and yeah. 
make it his own. Like it would be, it's our queendom come. Like he would, he so would kind of looks like like graffiti yeah. and that's like all these cr- all different kind of crowns. Yeah, all the crowns look different. And literally, when he sent it to me, I cried on the phone. I still can't I believe that he pulled this cover off. I bet. And I knew that he was going. I knew it was going to be amazing. I just didn't know he was going to beast it this way. And he tore that thing apart, girl. He did. So, um, but yeah, he, while literally while my editors were editing, he was designing. And um, your acknowledgments in the back, that's dope. It's like pages of acknowledgments and it's heartfelt. That's great. Yeah, it it wasn't just me. And I think the different people that I acknowledge, they all contributed something, even if it was outside of editing, outside of the cover, but just people just contributed different things. Um, Either to your life or yeah, to the book. to yeah. the book as a whole. You mm-hmm. know, it, it was very interesting, this go-round of different people who just kind of helped keep me going um, when I wanted to be over it. <laughs> so going through Create Space, did you have to do... Um, and I, I guess you could tell me about like petals and this in terms of differences. Did did you have to do any like specific paperwork? Did you have to do any legal things, any contracts? So what there, did that look like? there's a lot of things that they do for you on the back end mm-hmm. when you go through Crazy Space. So they'll take care of your copyright for you. Um, it literally they walk you through different things. So you know once you decide, okay, you create an account. You know, you upload the book you have. They're going to ask you different questions, the genre of it, the target, different mm. keywords. Um, because everybody Amazon prompts. And that's another reason why people should go through CreateSpace. Because when you talk to different publishing companies, they're going to say, well, you know, Tamara Cease is a Christian book. So I know when I want a Christian book, I'm going to go to a Christian bookstore. Aren't you? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to Amazon. <laughs> like, because right. everybody Amazons. So that's another advantage with Amazon because everyone does it Yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you create your profile. They'll ask you an array of different questions. Um, and then they'll walk you through that uploading process. And they give you feedback if certain things are accepted. So if your measurements are okay, if your dimensions are mm-hmm. accurate, stuff like that. Um, and then from there, they'll ask you, like, your book pricing. How much do you want your book mm-hmm. to be priced? The account you want your royalties to go to. Do you want Kindle version? Do you want to do an audio Ooh. version? So they give you so many different things. But because you're working with them, they take care of that legal yeah. stuff for you. So the stuff that you may have to read in a fine print a whole lot, but for yeah. certain companies, you don't necessarily have to with Crazy Space because it's laid out for you. It's mm-hmm. no random loopholes and like it's it's a it's just a completely different experience and then looking at different um companies and even just the stuff they want you to do before they know your name Mm -hmm. is weird do they send you a prototype of what it looks like before you yeah so you get your proof and it's funny because when i got the proof in the mail for both books i couldn't open it so (laughs) with this one i actually went to to lon ray's house and i said you got to open it because i can't yeah, yeah I, and it had actually, and the funny thing is, I was out of town, and it had been on the porch for hours. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I was like, sitting. I was like, yo, I'm on my way. Like, I can't open this. You got to do it. And I was in the kitchen, and he was in the living room, and I was just peeking, you know, what's it look like? But they send you a steps fruit. right over it. Oh yeah, and um, you're able to. That you pub, they will publish when you're ready. Mm. So they'll keep sending you proofs. If you don't like the way a font size looks, if you want to tweak something, if that color is a little whack, does every, that cost like two three dollars? Okay, for every proof that yep. you send, yeah. So mm. it's not even a, it's yeah. not a big deal. Once it gets there, 
less than a Starbucks you go through cup it. of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's less than a latte. And every they they will publish when you're ready. And when you're ready, you literally say, yo, I'm ready. And you click approved. And literally in like 24 hours, it's up. What was the experience like getting finally opening up the book? That was weird. You cry. Like, all my thugness went out the window. You know. Um, did you do the ugly cry or you, you know, it was, had a I did tears. the whole ugly cry when he showed me the cover. When he showed me the cry, I think that's the ugliest of cries it's been is when I saw the cover. Every other cry was still kind of cute and dainty. But the cover cry was gross. I think he still has footage of that. We have to see if I can get that deleted. But, um, no, you, you cry. Um, for me, I it was published and available like three weeks before I did a book release. So I had it available and just nobody knew. Mm-hmm. So that was weird because I was able to kind of get over myself by book release time. Yeah. Um, but you do feel, it, it is a sigh of relief. You do kind of feel, I don't want to say exposed, but who you are is just out, available mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and so it's just a weird, it's a weird feeling. Is that a um, different feeling than when you released Petal? Absolutely. Okay. It was, it was different. With Petals, you know, you still feel a little weird and you still feel Don't you like that sigh of relief, but Queendom is just way more personal for me, at least. And it's just a whole nother side of, a whole nother side of my vulnerability than Petals was. Mm-hmm. So that was like, yo, this is really who you are, little girl. <laughs> it's out. How long did it take for you to uh, write this book? Queendom, on and off for about two years. Okay. On and off. Mm-hmm. More so, um, I wrote, I did, I went super hard in the paint 20, what is this past year? 18? 2018. Yeah. Um, like for around March, mm-hmm. around March throughout the end, I just kind of buckled down and got some stuff done. But, um, but yeah. And did you do a release party? I did. Or was I that did. Like- my favorite number is 11, so I did it November 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was dope. I did it in a city off U Street, 1942. Uh, yep. It was super cute. In and out kind of thing. Stop by, get a drink, get a book. Don't weird me out. Say hi to my mom and my daddy. And How was that venue? Well, I mean, how did you get the venue? Um, one of my very, 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 very favorite people in the entire world, my, uh, my cousin, Major Dobbins, um, he's a promoter in D.C., so he just kind of helped me shop around and looked around at some spots. Um, but we settled on 1942. The um, owner there, Armageddon, is amazing, and mm-hmm. he just literally kind of took care of our whole little party. But it's already such a sexy spot. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to do a whole lot. So we mm-hmm. just invited some folks, came through, had a bartender, and people had a drink or two. We took some pictures, and mm-hmm. that was it. Um, so yeah, Mark good Anthony spot. has a shout-out in the book. He does. <laughs> I love my Mark. I'm trying I to do. get him on the podcast, man. Yeah, you got. I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell. I call him brother dad. Tell him. I was tell like, brother dad. I, I was like, I was like, uh, so <laughs> when are you coming on? And he and I was like, did Jamal give you all the details? Like, like, like I did with you. I was like, did he give you all the details? Here's more information. Like, when are you coming? And he's like, uh, oh, I'm coming on. You have a date? He's a, he he Cricket. He's, he's DC. <laughs> I don't know. Listen. He's so, he's so fancy, but no, he's, he's super, super great. Um, but yeah, he played a, he played a very good role. Mark just loves to see people do well. Mm. He loves, you know, if you are a homie, 
a good friend. It don't matter what it is. He just loves to see people doing well. And even through this whole process, I would have, you know, moments and I'd have temper tantrums. I'm like, I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> he would just be quick to be like, girl, get it together. But I just, I appreciated, um, you know, his push. And when he created Literary District, that was a great outlet for me. So when Queendom was getting a little too much or I had to dig a little too deep and which is a little too emotional and, you know, stuff got too hard. The Literary District was definitely a great outlet just to read something else and be amongst other great thinkers. So that helped. What book are you currently reading? I am reading The Assassination of Fred Hampton. I'm reading that. I'm actually, I'm, I need to probably say this different. I'm actually rereading it. Mm-hmm. I just finished it a couple of weeks ago, um, but I'm rereading it. It's my next little project that I'm working on. So... That's my research. Okay. At the moment, I'm pulling out some different things. I'm trying to get into script writing a little bit. Ooh. So I'm playing around with that. So I'm rereading this book again just to kind of touch up this script writing world. It's different. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's different. Really fun. But, you know, one of the things I appreciate is when I go to watch certain films now, I appre- you could tell. So this is for a film. I'm sorry. You film? Said, it's for a film. film yeah. Okay. yeah. So it just—it's really interesting to see how people write, and you can even watch a movie and tell you're the writing, and this is yeah, insanity. Like, so that's kind of what I'm I'm playing around with now. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've got. Ooh, that's <laughs> gonna be interesting. I'm excited. You have to bring her on back. <laughs> when, that, when that happens, hopefully, hopefully, girl, we we'll see. We're still working on that, but yeah, that's my next <laughs> little project right now. What do you think we need more of in our community? We all have voices. I just want people to utilize them. I think that's the thing I'm really looking for now is for people to utilize the things that they have. Like, you know, we need more of everything. I think we need more writers. We need more singers. We need more artists. We need more authors. You know, we need more leaders. But I think there's so many things in us that people aren't utilizing. So I want people to utilize what you have. That's what we need more of. So in my in, in my mind, I want people to... I hate when people say, oh, I wish you had a voice. No, you have one. You got you to gotta yeah. use it. So I, I'm, because I think that, and that's how you learn people. And that's how you experience different people, regardless of where yeah. you are in life, is when you can see somebody using what they have. So mm-hmm. you, you have anything else? Is there anything that I didn't touch on that you want to share? No, this was dope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this dope podcast. We need more. Oh my gosh. We need more ginger beer. This is amazing. <laughs> What's that? Go give me some. This is bomb. <laughs> I love it, but no, this is amazing. I appreciate y'all having me. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited about this. Yes, get Queendom Come. It's on Amazon and Kindle. <laughs> and there'll be an audio version. I hope you got some great content from episode five. You can find Tamara on IG and her book is on Amazon. Make sure you subscribe to We Need More. And if you like the show, leave a review. Follow us on IG to get exclusives on our guests and upcoming guests. Thank you for your support as we continue to change.